It's Mark Yegi here, wealth architect and lifestyle investor. Let's take your life to the next level. Welcome to the Wealth Architect Podcast. All right. Hey there. Welcome back. Let's jump right into it. So we're going to be getting to what is Bitcoin. But like I said, you got you to gotta build that foundation before you can really jump right into it. But I'll make it quick and I'll make it fun. Let's hope, right? Okay. So remember how I talked about there are problems in the system with trust. You know, money is based on trust. All money has always been and always will be based on trust. Remember that. Now, we created some new money problems when we created the fiat system. When we said, okay, we're going to issue this paper money. Now, it's backed by gold in theory, but a couple of problems crop up by doing that. We have an equal and opposite reaction when we create something new. That's pretty cool. So the money that we have created something really cool. But the problem is it became decentralized and it was no longer scarce. Like There was no limit to it when it's just fiat money. And so if the government creates money, your money is worth less. Remember that chart I showed you about the devaluation of money of 95, 96%. And so that's over time. You don't notice it so much, right? You go to the store, your eggs are a couple of percent more this year than they were last year, three, four, 5%. Yeah, not that big a deal. I, I know that inflation is a fact of life. But when you look at it over time, you see that it really has eroded your purchasing power. Now, inflation has a tendency to accelerate. It builds on itself, especially in the decline of some of the, these fiat currency systems that I've studied. And so when your money becomes worth less, you start to trust less. Your trust erodes in the people that put the money together. That's the government right? Everything was great when it was backed by gold until they told you you couldn't have any gold anymore. And that was like, wait a minute. All right. But your, your trust starts to erode. So let's say you go to work every day and you create work. And when you bring, you create work, you get some money, you get some fiat money, you get dollars or whatever you get, right? That's cool. But what if the government just decides you continue to go to work, but other people don't have to go to work. They're just going to get some free money that we print. What happens to your money when that happens? First of all, they get free money they don't have to work for. Remember that concept of work. I'm alluding to it because I'm going to talk about it later. They get free money without work. And then they, there's more dollars. So they're less scarce. And that means your money over here becomes worth less. So you're getting double taxed. You're, you're working really hard. And you're not, you're not getting ahead of these people over here. But you're actually going backwards because your money is worth less. And so trust starts to run. Finally, you just say, you know what? I'm not going to go to work anymore. And then the whole system begins to unravel because people just can't live anymore uh, like that. Make sense? So let's go back over how money evolves. Money always evolves. Things evolve. Technology evolves, right? We don't stand still. We're humans. We like to improve. So we're always pushing the envelope of how do we get better? That's, what, that's why the human race is where it is. It's gotten better over time. It's had its problems, it's had its problems, but we get better over time. So how does money evolve? Well, remember, we started with the barter system. I'll give you a deer hide, you give me a massage, you give me some tomatoes or whatever, right? So we bartered for things. Well, after a while, that was impractical, certainly geographically impractical. And so we came up with something that was hard money, gold, right? Hard money, but gold has its drawbacks, right? You can't just transfer it around. It's still geographically uh, useful, but when you have long geography, it's not very useful. So then entered into the entered the fiat system. Now, the fiat system is you give me a, 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 some gold coin, and I'm going to give you the equivalent amount of the certificate that's backed by the gold coin. And if you ever want your gold coin back, come in, bring us a certificate, we'll give you your gold coin back. Fair exchange, right? Everybody's cool. 
Yeah. So that was when it was backed by gold coins. And then they finally said in 1971, you know what? We don't really have the money. We're not going to back it anymore. Okay. So it went off to, don't worry, you could still bring the dollar and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll support the dollar. We're not going to give you gold for it anymore, but you know, like we're going to be supporting it and the whole world has to use it. Cause if you want to go buy oil right now in, in another country, because the dollar is used for that transaction, you have to transact in dollars. So let's say you're a country like Turkey or Argentina or Venezuela or Sri Lanka or uh, the UK even, or the Japanese or Japan, right? Your currencies are all devaluing. You're getting this incredible hyperinflation and nobody wants your currencies anymore. They want the dollar. So as the dollar continues to strengthen against other currencies, they become weak. If you want to buy something in oil, let's say you want to buy some oil, you've got to show up with dollars to buy the oil. Millions or billions of dollars worth of oil, right? Of dollars to buy the oil. But if you don't have them, what do you do? You have to sell your currency, you know, use your currency to buy dollars so that you can use them to transact oil. Well, how do you get them if you're not bringing in any money and trade in dollars? You create them out of thin air. Like Turkey, for example, is just creating this incredible amount of free fake money and creating Turkish lira out of thin air. Their inflation rate is well over 100% unofficially. Officially, it's at 83%. And the same with the other countries that I just mentioned. So the problem is the dollar is still the, the world's reserves uh, currency standard. But the problem is it's because it's the only game in town, but it's doing all the same things that the other currencies did. All right. I'm getting a little bit off on it, but that's the difference between backed and unbacked. So what's the ne next evolution of money, especially when it comes to moving money around? Well, it's digital right? I just got back from Turkey and Greece this year, and I took my credit card, and I was able to spend money from my bank account over here or my bank account over there into the economy by using that credit card or the debit card, and it was just very easy to do. That's a natural evolution of currency, of money. It went to digital, but what's next? Because even though the credit cards are riding on the rails of the fiat currency system, we know the fiat currency system is bogus. It's going backwards. They're just continuing to print money and more and more as we go through this. And I'll tell you about the Fed in a little bit. But it's it's undermining even credit card transactions because the credit card transactions are based on the dollar and the dollar is being eroded. So what's next? Interesting question. We don't know what's next or do we? So let me ask you this. Let's say I could wave a magic wand and we could take all of the really cool things about all of the money that's ever been created in the world and put it into one thing. What if there were a form of money that were decentralized, not centralized, scarce or limited, transportable, easily accessible and recognizable? What if that money were divisible? What if you could measure it easily? What if you didn't need anybody to vouch for it? What if it were verifiable? And also, on top of it, what if it were digital? That'd be pretty cool, right? Well, what if you could layer on top of that that it's open 24 hours a day, that you don't need anybody else's approval, that nobody can stop you from spending it or receiving it? If you add those three things to the perfect money before, we took all the good stuff about all the money that's ever been created for thousands of years and took all the good ones and put it in this little package and then added a couple of bonus ones, now you've got pretty much the perfect money. You know what that's called? It's called Bitcoin. 
Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is created as a crypto. I'm going to explain cryptocurrency in the next video, but Bitcoin is created as a cryptocurrency and it has all of the qualities that I just mentioned. Now, I want to single out two qualities before I conclude this short video, because I think they're important to know. First of all, if you've heard of FedEx, it's a great company. What FedEx does, if you want to send something overnight from Florida to California, they can do it. How do they do it? They do it through centralization. So you, out, you, you fill out your envelope with all your FedEx stuff and you want to get it over to your cousin in California and you're in Florida. So you fill the envelope out, you call the FedEx people or you drop it in a box. What do they do? They grab it and they fly it to Memphis. So it's flown to Memphis and then from Memphis, it's sorted into planes that go all around the country overnight and then they're mailed out overnight to wherever they need to go. So your package went from Memphis now where it was sorted properly, and now it's on its way to California so that the next morning it can be delivered on time by 1030, right? That's centralization. Everything comes to Memphis and everything leaves from Memphis. But what happens if a bomb gets dropped in Memphis? No packages go out, right? That's the problem with centralization. And as we continue to talk about centralization, there are three main drawbacks with centralization. There are a couple other ones. But first of all, you have a loss of control. Somebody else is totally in control. You've lost that package. And now if they decide that they want to destroy that package, you've got no control over it. They can destroy it, right? Let's say FedEx is the only game in town and there's no other competing systems. If they say, yeah, we, we kept what you sent us. You can't do anything about it. Well, you're kind of stuck. So there's that loss of control. The second one is in centralization and those kinds of environments, it's corruptible. You can, be, you can create corruption. There's lots of things that when one person is making the decision that you can have that problem. What happens is in governments, the people that are closest to the money, and this is true really anywhere, the people that are closest to the money end up having the advantage. And if there's a slight bit of corruptibility to those people, they'll take advantage of it because power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So remember that. The third part is mismanagement. And if you look at what the Fed is doing, the Federal Reserve Bank, which is neither the Fed, federal, right? It's not federal. It's not a reserve, and it's not really a bank. It's a private entity that's owned by mysterious people, right? It's, but it supports the government, and the government supports it as long as there's trust. We don't know if there's going to continue to be trust, but there is right now. But if the Fed decides, hey, listen, we think we're going to print extra money, they're going to print extra money. They're going to devalue your dollar. They don't care. It's because it's a private bank. They're trying to make money for that bank. Who's the biggest customer? We are, but who's really the biggest customer? It's the government. So the government says, you know what? We want to buy some extra bombs for Ukraine and we're not going to pass a law to do it. The Fed says, well, don't worry. We'll just go out and sell some bonds to the market and create some money. And then you can go out and buy those bonds in Ukraine. And so there's a corruptibility there. And the, first, the last part is just mismanagement. So the Fed is being mismanaged as well. The guy that runs the Fed right now, as I speak, is a 69-year-old lawyer. He's not an economist. Not that that's a problem, because uh, the economists don't do any better of a job anyway. There's really nobody that could do this job. There's so many millions of moving parts in the world economy that there's no one man or one group of people who can make decisions for us. The market should make those decisions. But what happens is they get involved and they tweak things and they overcorrect and they undercorrect and they screw things up. And so you get mismanagement. 
And that's the problem with centralization. So I wanted to point that one out as a big problem with any currency that we have. And I want to point out before we move on to what Bitcoin actually is to scarcity. In Bitcoin's case, you're going to hear me say this a lot. There are only 21 million Bitcoins that are ever going to be mined. And they're really called Bitcoin, but I say Bitcoins sometimes. Only 21 million Bitcoin that will ever be mined ever, right? For the next 10,000 years. And so once that gets to that 21 million, and by the way, there's 19,200,000 and change that have already been mined. So 92% of all the Bitcoins have already been mined. Only two. 2 million are left, less than 2 million are going to be left over the next 100 years to mine the remainder. So what does that mean? It means that the denominator is finite. If you own a Bitcoin, you own one 21 millionth of the Bitcoin universe. So if the Bitcoin universe expands and it grabs power, it grabs property, it grabs wealth, then your wealth will expand because you own it. It's an investment in that case, Right versus fiat currency, which has an unlimited denominator. You don't know what the denominator, it's an infinity. So if we want to print more money, as we've always done, your dollar will erode or devalue. And that's why you get inflation. That's why you lose your purchasing power. And that's why it's a corruptible, crazy system to be in the fiat system. So in the next video, I'm excited because I'm going to tell you, now I get to start talking a little bit less negatively about what's happened. And now we're going to talk about the future of what's possibly going to happen as I see it. And we're going to start with the history of Bitcoin. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the next episode. You've been listening to the Wealth Architect podcast with Mark Yegi. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Share and tell your friends. See you soon.